0: Welcome to the Lake Highlands Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. Every week, the members of Lake Highlands gather as a congregation to hear what God has revealed in the Bible about His loving plan of redemption. Listen in as we learn more about the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 this evening, we're going to be considering the birth of Jesus, the entire reason for the Christmas season from Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18 and going all the way through the end of the chapter. If you don't have a Bible with you, feel free to grab a pew Bible in front of you. The page number is 807. 807 is the page number for Matthew chapter 1, where we'll be this evening. And I won't preach a sermon. That goes on and on and on, but I do want to take just a moment to consider and to ground the meaning of Christmas in Jesus Christ. You see, services like these are some of my favorite services, where we come together and we sing about the birth of Christ, we pray about the birth of Christ, we consider what Scripture has to say, and in just a moment when we light our candles and we sing by candlelight, you know, services like these I anticipate all year round because I absolutely love this moment, what it means for us as a church. You know, Christmas, the entire Christmas season is filled with anticipation. Many of us, we anticipate taking time off work so that we can finally rest from our busy lives. Some of us anticipate seeing those family members that we haven't got to see all year round. Other of us, we anticipate giving that perfect Christmas present to our loved one that we spent so many months trying to gather and wrap and give. See, I'm the worst at that, you can ask my wife. I am constantly asking to give her gift early because I can't wait, the anticipation gets too much for me. See, Christmas is a season of anticipation. And this is purposeful. The anticipation of the Christmas season, the time off work, the time with family, the time to give gifts, is all meant to be a symbol for the anticipation of a Savior seen all throughout Scripture. See, Scripture teaches us that God is going to send us a Savior to save us from our sins, to save us from death, and to save us from Satan. And as we turn the pages of Scripture we see that this Savior will be called Christ, the anointed one, chosen by God and anointed by God to save us from our sins. As we turn the pages of Scripture, we find that this Savior will be a king, greater than King David, the greatest king Israel has ever seen. And as we turn the pages of Scripture, we see that this Savior will be a gatherer of a new people, a redeemed Israel, greater than Abraham himself. So as we turn the pages of Scripture, the anticipation grows for the coming of this Savior, the one born of woman who will save man and woman from their sins, The anticipation grows until we turn to Matthew chapter 1. And we read in the very first verse the book of the genealogy of Jesus, the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. See, in Matthew's gospel, in the very first verse, we learn that Jesus Christ is this Savior, the anticipation fulfilled. We learn in the Christmas story that Jesus Christ is God's Savior, and hallelujah, this is the time for us to celebrate that. Matthew continues on with a genealogy for Jesus, and I won't read the whole thing, and there's a lot of observations that can be made about Matthew's genealogy, basically the family line of Christ. But all I'll say right now is that this genealogy, part of its purpose is to remind us that the entire Old Testament has led to Christ. Jesus Christ is God's salvation fulfilled. And after this genealogy, Matthew continues in verse 18. And that's where we'll pick up in our sermon passage today, where we see Jesus Christ first proclaimed as the Savior of the world, the Savior from our sins. From death and the devil. So, would you read with me, starting in verse 18? My Bible reads this way Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This morning from Matthew's gospel, we will consider the very fact that Jesus is God with us. Now, I began the sermon by saying Christmas is filled with anticipation. But just because you anticipate something doesn't mean it's going to go exactly as planned. See, Joseph in this story, he is very familiar with this fact. I mean, just imagine with me for a moment. Joseph, he's betrothed to Mary He is anticipating the life he's going to have with Mary. He's anticipating building a family with Mary. He's anticipating finally getting to marry her and start his life. And so can you imagine the shock that Joseph feels when, as Scripture says, before they came together, Mary was found to be with child. Now, Scripture goes on to say that this child is from the Holy Spirit, But pause with me just a moment. Joseph is not privy to this knowledge yet. All Joseph can see is someone who he respects and is about to marry. He sees her and perceives that she has been unfaithful to him. You see, Scripture goes on to say that Joseph is a just man or rather a righteous man, meaning Joseph is a man who keeps God's laws and commandments. Joseph is a faithful and righteous man. And so Joseph is unwilling to participate in what he perceives to be an unfaithful relationship where his soon-to-be wife is willing to have a child with another man in his perspective. But Scripture also says that Joseph was unwilling to put Mary to shame. See, Joseph, he was a righteous man, meaning he understood the commands of God. But Joseph was also a man who understood the compassion and the mercy and the love of God. Part of righteousness is understanding God's character, which includes love and mercy. And so Joseph, being a righteous and a loving man, tries to do what is right in his own eyes. He tries to do the merciful and compassionate thing, and he decides to divorce Mary quietly. Now, this is what is right in Joseph's own eyes. This is what is right from Joseph's perspective, as far as he can tell, as far as he can apply his own righteousness. But thank God that the story does not end here. See, if Joseph would have gone on to divorce Mary, Joseph ironically would have had divorced himself from God's plan and God's action in this world. So thank God that Joseph does not divorce Mary and instead he receives a heavenly perspective. See, the scripture goes on to say in verse 20, as Joseph is considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And this angel goes on to give Joseph the heavenly perspective of the situation. Joseph receives a perspective that allows him to see the origin of his child. Mary was not unfaithful. In fact, Mary was so faithful as to be chosen by God to bear the savior. So Joseph hears the origin of the child from the angel, but he also gets a glimpse into the identity of this child. And this changes everything for Joseph. So let's spend just a moment and go through what the angel says and what the origin of this child and the identity of this child truly is. In verse 20, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, "'Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit.'" So first we learn that the origin of this child is from the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, this is something that we learned earlier in the text, but here it's reiterated to Joseph, and he sees that this is no ordinary child born by ordinary means. In fact, this is an extraordinary child given from the Holy Spirit. In fact, as we continue to read Scripture and as we continue to see the theology of this moment, we know that this is not an ordinary child. In fact, this is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, God himself. This is the Word who was with God in the beginning and who was God. This child is the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God taken on flesh and therefore is from the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is God in the flesh come to dwell with humanity. And this is why he is from the Holy Spirit and not from man. Now it continues on. The angel gives the identity of the child. Now in verse 21, the angel says, that Mary will bear a son. Now earlier I said that this is the son of God taken on flesh. This is God himself come to dwell with humanity. But here the angel tells Joseph that even though the origin of the child is from the Holy Spirit, Mary will still bear a son. This is not an ordinary child conceived by ordinary means. But The Son of God still desires to be born by the ordinary way. Mary will bear and give birth to a son. And in this birth, God takes on flesh. God becomes man. God becomes man to deal with a problem that we could never deal with on our own. God becomes man to deal with sin, to destroy death, and to chain and destroy the devil. So, Mary will bear a son so that God can become flesh and save us from our sins, something we could never do. The angel continues in verse 21 she will bear a son. And the angel commands Joseph, saying, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus is a name that means Yahweh saves, the Lord saves. So what a fitting name to name such a child. See, God himself, since Jesus is in fact God, will save his people from their sins. Notice that the angel says that Jesus is called Jesus for he will save people from their sins. He doesn't say the consequences of sin. He acts as if sin is some evil army, some evil force come to oppose humanity. We learn this all throughout Scripture, the fact that sin is personified as an evil force against us. In the very first book of the Bible, in the fourth chapter, Genesis chapter 4, we learn that sin is crouching at our door. Sin's desire is for us, and God commands humanity to rule over sin. But we learn throughout Scripture that man cannot rule over sin. In fact, the psalmist and Paul, they tell us that no one is righteous, no, not even One. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. We learn throughout Scripture that sin is like an evil army come to take us captive, and sin is very good at taking us captive, and no man or no woman has ever defeated sin. Until we learn in Matthew that the Son of God took on flesh and was named Jesus, Yahweh saves, in order to deliver people from their sins. See, we would still be slaves to sin if it wasn't for Jesus Christ in the flesh. Jesus, living a perfect life, challenging sin and the devil, living a righteous life, triumphing over sin and the devil, dies on a cross to atone for our sins, and then raises again three days later in order to defeat death and offer his people newness of life. Notice he offers his people newness of life. For it doesn't say in the passage that Jesus will save all humanity from their sins. Notice that the passage does say that Jesus will save his people from their sins. See, Jesus Jesus has not come to dwell with us merely to excuse the consequences of sin. No, Jesus has come to deal with sin. Jesus has come to defeat sin. Jesus atones the sins of his people, defeating the evil power of sin and destroying the grip of the devil through the cross and through his resurrection. See, through his death and resurrection, Jesus calls to himself a new people, his people, a restored Israel, greater than Abraham. Jesus gathers his people so that they may have the forgiveness of sins. And if you are a Christian today, which I know many of you are, praise the Lord that Jesus came to dwell with humanity and we have the forgiveness of sins and we have entered into a new people of God, a restored Israel, a people bound for the new heavens and new earth. And if you are not a Christian today, what an invitation. You know, The God of the universe, the second person of the Trinity, took on flesh because he desired you to be his people. And all he asks of you is that you would proclaim him as king and savior. Now I say all he asks of you, but Jesus does ask a lot of us. Jesus asks us to make him king of our lives. Jesus requires everything of us, but Understood in its right context, how glorious is this? See, if you have the eyes to see, you know that sin already requires your entire being. You are already slaves to sin. That evil army has come and taken you captive. And if you were honest with yourself, there is nothing you can do about it. But Jesus says, I love you so much, I want you to be my people, not sin's people, not the devil's people, not bound to death. Jesus offers us true freedom, and it's found in proclaiming him as king and obeying his commandments. And goodness, Jesus even offers us the Holy Spirit, which transforms us and teaches us to obey his commands. Jesus knows that we can't save ourselves, and he came to dwell with us in order to save his people from their sins. Now, if you'll continue on with me, part of Jesus's identity is that he will save his people from their sins. But the angel, or rather Matthew goes on to explain that all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, which is found in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We learn that this entire narrative, this entire story of Jesus' birth is meant to fulfill the promise made in Isaiah that the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, and he will symbolize, actualize the fact that God desires to dwell with his people. Now, I won't ask you to turn there, but in Isaiah 7, this prophecy comes in a strange context. In fact, Isaiah proclaims this prophecy that will be a prophecy of Christ in response to King Ahaz's disobedience. Now, King Ahaz, he is a crooked and wicked king of Judah. He is a man that does not trust in God, but rather he trusts in his own power, in his own ability to offer diplomacy, to make alliances with nations. He doesn't trust in God's deliverance. He tries to find his own way to deliver himself. And Isaiah as an act of judgment comes and tells King Ahaz that a a virgin will conceive and bear a son and he will be called Emmanuel meaning God with us. Now to King Ahaz for Isaiah to say God is coming to deal with you is an act of judgment. It's a statement of judgment. I mean, we understand this. Just imagine that you were a child at home and you've been disobedient. You haven't listened to your mom. And your mom says, Your father's coming home. Right? That's going to strike the fear into any disobedient child. In this same way, King Ahaz is being disobedient, and Isaiah says, God is coming to deal with you. That's an act of judgment. So why is it that Matthew then takes that same statement and says God is coming to dwell with his people? How are we supposed to rejoice in this? Well, Emmanuel means judgment to those who are opposed to God. But Emmanuel, God with us, means tremendous blessing for those who are at peace with God. See, Jesus has come to deal with our sins. He's come to save his people, redeem his people, call his people into a new way of living. So now when God himself says he is going to dwell with his people, that means tremendous blessing for us. Amen that Jesus is God dwelling with us. See, this is similar to the way that if you have a good father, And you have done well when your mom says, your father's coming home. It brings tremendous joy. Well, in Jesus Christ, God has come to dwell with us. Hallelujah, that that is the true meaning of Christmas. Now, if you'll notice with me, we began with Joseph's human perspective. He's a righteous man who tries to do what's right in his own eyes. But we have had a heavenly revelation where Joseph has had an encounter with the very word of God that has given him true eyes to see the true significance of the situation. And so now Joseph, being a righteous man and having an encounter with the word of God, immediately obeys See, verse 24 goes on to say that when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He married his bride-to-be. That he knew her not until after she had given birth to a son. He even gives up his marital rights in order to be obedient to God's word. And finally, he called his name Jesus. Jesus. Joseph was obedient and was able to participate in God's plan of naming his son sent to become man, Jesus. Because Jesus will save his people from their sins. See, like Joseph today, we have encountered the open word of God And I pray that this Christmas season can be a time of us, yes, to enjoy time off work, yes, to enjoy time with family, and yes, to enjoy giving gifts. But most importantly, I pray that this Christmas season can be a time where we as God's people can encounter his word and respond to it. May this be a time that signifies our anticipation fulfilled in Christ, And finally, may this be a time for us to anticipate the fact that Jesus has promised to come again, to dwell with us bodily, and to usher his people into his kingdom where God will dwell with his people forever, all eternity. This is the true meaning of Christmas, and this is why services like this make me so excited. God himself has come to dwell with us. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Lake Highlands Baptist Church. We believe God created all of us to know Him and to enjoy Him forever. And we hope this sermon has helped you fulfill this purpose today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at lhbc.com. Thanks again for listening.